Games Podcast. The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of a egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, if you have a game, and it is good, then get time and it will thrive, and you will be rewarded. It's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news, we have the latest titles that we are interested in, of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews, and then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals, uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the next game on, bitches! Hello and welcome to Movie Phone. Actually, no, welcome to episode number 299 of the Best Link Games Podcast. Being recorded for you on this uh, Saturday, July 18th, 2020 at 12.49 p.m. Pacific Coast time, left coast coast with the most crack engineer. Ivor Molina over there in the booth. Motherfucker. How you doing, Ivor? You doing okay? Doing alright? Couldn't do this without you, Ivor. Where would I be without you, Ivor? Where would I... God only knows where I'd be! He's holding up the whiskey sign. Yes! Cheers, friends and neighbors. Especially to you, Ivor. This is your last show. You're fired. Hit the brick ship, bird. You're fired. You're fucked. You're fucked. Destitute! Alright. Mm. God only knows where I be. Look at my life. It has no magic. Ah, that would make it, of course, for our sequel friends, 2020 07 uh, 18 at 12 50. 
Yeah. Ooh, hello. Um, gotta stop talking when you're trying to swallow the whiskey. All right. So, big show over you this week. Um, after last week's disastrous, drunken, ranting mania fueled festival of recriminations, I do owe seriously from the bottom of my heart. I did not mean, and I it's weird because I have to apologize to this person. So I'm only going to say their name one time. I want to apologize to Pyrotech for last week's show. I was so drunk, I didn't I try not to name check people and stuff because it was totally it was not a never mind never mind. Like I mean, it wasn't meant to be a public shaming. I went back and listened to that show and I was unhappy with it. Um, And I for that, for that reason, I mean, you know, apart from the fact that I was like completely drunk and rage fueled and out of control, but that is that part I am not apologizing for. Um, but I, I didn't mean to. It wasn't meant to be like a recrimination of Pyrotech directly, and for that I sincerely apologize. Um, yeah. So we have a big show for you this week. Uh, straight to our top stories. Um, one, uh, cards, the World War II card game, that's K-A-R-D-S, which is free to play, and uh, which, you know, is a deck-building competitive card game, has their uh, 15th, it, they, they're calling it it's very difficult, and I know what the fuck is going on. It's very difficult to figure out what the fuck is going on with this tournament. Uh, I was hoping to enter it, it, but um, I have not won a game of cards in a long time, and I play about an hour and a half of it a day. But anyway, it's like an open invitational kind of thing. Something begins on the 25th. The grand prize is $1,000. I'm familiar with the rules, but I don't know why they say now that it started on the 18th, which is today. Um, Who knows? Grand prize, $1,000, and the uh, ability to openly brag that you are the greatest card player in the known universe. Moving on. To a less fun some topic. A less winsome, less funsome topic. Less funsome. That is a new word. See, like, when you look at Donna Reed, I think of fucksum. Okay, I'm losing it. Ivor, you're right. More whiskey. Mm. A less wholesome topic, a less fun topic. Funsome is not a word. It's a neologism. So yes, if anyone uses it from here on out, you pay royalties to me, motherfuckers. Alright, now that we've gotten that cleared, uh, now that we've gotten that bit of old business out of the way, uh, EAC and wine. This this story comes to us courtesy of a uh, friend of the show, Blaster PR, BPR, as we call him. Uh, masterful Linux maniac. Um... The Bane, the Scourge. 
of Linux gamers for the last fuck for a long time now, for like well over a year, like maybe two years almost now has been EAC, Easy Anti-Cheat and before Boldy Lockers betrayed the show and went insane um, when he was a friend of ours oh poor Boldy what a fucking shit show he was, and this time I am calling someone out to shame them openly uh, and that's why he won't fucking join the discord anymore uh, frequently do you mean orphan as in frequently or orphan as in someone who's lost their parents orphan frequently frequently bitched and moaned and I kept trying to explain to him that de novo wasn't the fucking biggest fucking problem in the world blah 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 easy anti-cheat EAC which started off as a very beneficial piece of software um, that had was Linux what was uh, was uh, operating system agnostic back in the day and I know this because I ran seven days to die servers and I played on them too for a lot of hours and they all ran EAC until EAC got bought by the Epic Store the Epic yeah and as we all know, since then, anything that the Epic Store owns cannot be played on Linux. Well, that is coming to a close. It looks as if that era is coming to a close. The era where EAC... Well, for those of you who are unfamiliar with uh, what EAC under Epic has become, is that it automatically bans anyone who's trying to use uh, any compatibility layer, be it Wine or Proton or... Um, anything those are the two major ones but like I mean you know Lutris with wine anything bans you automatically from that game and bans you across accounts etc 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 um this has prevented Linux gamers from playing such games as Fortnite which is a game that I've never ever ever been able to play uh, and m- many other major titles. So what is EAC? EAC started off its life as easy anti-cheat protection. It was invaluable for developers of independent games to add in very sophistic, very sophisticated heuristics-based it wasn't that sophisticated it wasn't that heuristics-based but it was like, oh, okay, fine, you're running a hack we can see this, and now we know, and then we can analyze the hack. This, you know, blah, it was so crazy, I I didn't know until that one conversation with Bully Lockers that EAC had been purchased by Epic, and Epic is antithetical to everything that is Linux. Basically, and I've outlined the reasons for this uh, in other episodes of the show, but basically because they have a competing software store from Steam and Valve, and Valve, you know, who's behind Steam, has thrown their money behind Linux. And so they don't really have a very powerful incentive to cooperate. And very much like the Trump administration itself, uh, fucking Epic and its newly formed monstrosity of EAC have you know, pursue these draconian um, and unresponsive uh, 
limits to everyone who partners with them instead of with Valve. And the end result being that they punish only us, we, innocent Linux users. Us or we, I can't remember. I'm not sure exactly where in the sentence that would have fallen because there were... That was a... Yeah. Anyway, um... Fuck Epic is the first thing I want to say. I want to extend a dying of fire, you cocksuckers, to Epic. Epic Games and the Epic Game Store. Uh, and yes, they did bring us, once upon a time, such great and fucking innovative titles. You know, they, basically, they, they were an outgrowth of Apogee. A mutated monstrosity. That be- anyway, once upon a time, they brought us great games, but now they bring us only trouble and woe. Now, Forgetting the ancient history, more whiskey. BPR, Blaster PR, came to me last week. Or, yeah, right before we did the insane rant that was last week with a hot tip. Hot tip, bitches! Ivor, did I mention that you're fired? Um, yeah, Ivor's fired. This is his last show, actually, ever. Mm. We're moving towards a new Ivorless format. But uh, BPR came to me about two weeks ago with uh, stunning news. EAC workarounds are being folded into in a universal fashion as best they can. These solutions are piecemeal, just like everything else in Linux, uh, being folded into uh, wine in the near future, and there are beta. You, you can uh, fucking get the. Get, you can compile the fucking binaries yourself for the because they're they're not ready to like they're not even ready to incorporate it into. From what I've read, they're not ready to incorporate it into um, even the. Uh, the staging release of wine. They're not they're not incorporating it into wine releases at all yet. Because they're trying to figure out what the fuck. Mm. But be, but for those of you who don't know what this means, it means that Fortnite will be able to will be playable on Linux. Um what was the other one? Apex Legends will be playable on Linux. Um those are two games that I've always wanted to play, especially Fortnite. I'll be honest, especially Fortnite. Um, those will be playable on Linux, and BPR has fucking done all the legwork to make that happen with the alpha. It's a, to be honest, it's not that much of a hassle. It doesn't look like, but there is no fucking web page. You have to like join someone's Discord and fucking anyway. It's 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 you know it's still very. He says it's in beta. I say it's in fucking early alpha. Um, I would not be surprised, though, if it's not rolled out into uh, either the wine development branch or the staging branch um, any time in the near future. It, it, long story short, before everyone in the United States is dead from the Trump administration and or uh, its response to the coronavirus and or a attack on our power grid um, which are fucking absolutely likely before the election um, there's a good chance that it'll at least be in the development branch of 
wine, meaning that you too can experiment with playing. BPR had great success uh, playing uh, Apex Legends. Uh, it It's not the easiest process in the world, but you can torture BPR in our Discord, which you can find like in every video that we post to Twitch or whatever, or in the um, be sure to torture that motherfucker uh, on our Discord. You can find the link to join our Discord in the this week's show blurb. But now here's the here's where we get really ranty, and this is going to be an hour and a half long show, right, Ivor? It's only going to be an hour and a half. That means we're going to be here until the end of time. Anyway, right before um, we went on the air, love is on the air tonight. Um, BPR forwarded to me a screenshot from Twitch, or from Twitter, of someone in the Linux community reaching out to Tim Sweeney of Epic. And this guy sent back a reply. Here, I'm going to read everything to you verbatim. And I'm not going to let you judge how furious this should make you um, because I'm furious and I'm going to inflict I'm going to fuck you up like a car crash in the immortal words of Wesley Willis. So, Hello there, I respect you a lot for your work. I wanted to ask if the wine developers figured out a way to make easy anti-cheat work on Linux, would Epic ban anyone playing on Linux through wine? Furthermore, would Epic try to stop EAC from working on wine? Thank you. Now, before I read you the reply, which is absolutely, unbelievably asinine, I mean, I... I went out and I I went out this morning before I read this thank god and before I started drinking uh, and I tested out my new 9mm I hate owning a pistol I hate owning a gun at all but anyway it's it's therapeutic in a weird way I I went out and I I, 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 I don't have much ammunition so I only shot 7 rounds I got 2 bullseyes though at a yeah, right, right underneath thirty feet, or uh, uh, yeah, no, yeah, 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 right underneath thirty feet. And I did it without my glasses. Two bullseyes. Let me before I continue. Let me tell you that EAC has never not worked under Linux until it was bought by the Epic Store. Okay, that is fact number one. EAC used to have problematic bans across both operating systems because, you know, whatever Macintosh is calling their operating system is not really an operating system at all, and never really was so they don't count they're immaterial to this discussion, we're talking about real computing no offense but all intended so EAC, what I'm trying to tell you is that Easy Anti-Cheat used to be an invaluable resource for independent developers who couldn't build in-house 
if they wanted to make a multiplayer game, they did not have the time, the resources, the expertise, or anything to do it themselves, and so they went to Easy Anti-Cheat, and then Easy Anti-Cheat, uh, you know, however many months ago, it's weird, because it's like six, this is seven months in quarantine for me, so it's, it's fucking crazy. Ah, I'm losing all kinds of track of time, and you'll hear more about that later on in the show. But, Easy Anti-Cheat never used to fuck with Linux. There would be times where people wouldn't be able to connect, and there would be hiccups in Easy Anti-Cheat, but it was driven by the developers themselves as they got complaints from people who were, and these are intermittent outages. Like, for instance, when I was playing 7 Days to Die, I have, like, fucking 1,700 hours in 7 Days to Die. When I was playing 7 Days to Die online, which is a big fucking deal in 7 Days to Die, uh, depending on whether or not you're playing PvP or PvE, and I was playing PvP, um, there would be periods of outages that were based off of EAC, not for them banning me, but just for them getting their shit fucked up. Um, and so, you know, you, I, I investigate, I know, I know how it used to work. You would try to find out how to complain to EAC, but they, that's not how they work. They work with the developers. So you complain to the developers, and the developers then take that complaint up to EAC. And generally, this was a streamlined process. Like, you know, because like, ah, you get fucking 10 complaints. Oh, EAC, EAC, and then you get, you know that within the next six hours, those 10 are going to turn into 100. And that you know within 24 hours, those 100 are going to turn into 10,000. Maybe. Depending on the popularity of the game. But, under the Epic Store, once Epic bought EAC, they just started banning everyone who tries to connect with Linux via Wine. Any sort of compatibility layer, they saw it as a hack. Now, when I before I read to you the response, I need to stress that Linux gamers are less than one-tenth of one percent of all gamers in the world. We are not a market force to be reckoned with, with the exception of our champion, Valve, holding up the Steam Shield, which has fucking, you know, 40 million players online every day, and, you know, etc., and has done nothing but greatness for us. That is, that is our focal point of leverage in terms of the market. That's why we matter. That's the only reason why we matter. And that's why Steam, and that's why Valve backing Linux was such a huge deal. In terms of hacking of online games, one less, way less than one-tenth of one percent of all gamers are Linux gamers. I'm, I'm making a big point out of this because there's a big thing going on right now in terms of inside of America where science and fucking metrics and facts and reality do not matter even as 140 fucking thousand people have died and we're gonna hit a million 
before January 1st. We're going to hit a million dead before January 1st if we keep doing this. This guy is Tim Sweeney of Epic. If you want to share your feelings with him on Twitter, I highly recommend you do. It's at uh, Tango India Mike Space uh, Sierra Whiskey Echo Echo November Echo Yankee Tim Sweeney T-I-M Space S-W-E-E-N-E-Y E-P-I-C that would be Echo uh, Papa India Charlie all of that is one word though and it's Tim Sweeney Epic one word at Tim Sweeney Epic feel free to tweet him your feelings about this because I'm going to later on tonight when I'm really drunk and stoned and super angry this is this is infuriating so Linux gamers are one less than one tenth of one percent of the gaming universe trust me we are not the people who have been hacking your games we have not been the people who are bypassing your anti and by the way EAC under Epic I have this on good anecdotal authority has sucked across the board it sucked like ah CSGO they don't care here's let me reread what the humble Linux user. This was uh this guy's name is at L this is the guy who asked the question. At LOL repeat LOL. And this was on June 19th. Tim Sweeney of Epic replied. We'd be fully supportive of these efforts if confident that they wouldn't lead to the worst case scenario which is a significant increase in cheating that we have no ability to detect so okay so your response is to first not help anybody work with your games and that that's that's great that's great one tenth of one percent by the way in terms of like uh, Linux games people don't understand this, like, okay, one-tenth of one percent of 40 million, let's just say 40 million gamers, it's more like, it's way bigger than that, in terms of, like, all the gamers in the universe on the planet Earth is way bigger than that, but one, less than one-tenth of one percent is not an insignificant number if you are an independent publisher, developer, and or publisher, um, and we love the people who love us. Not just because they love us, but because we feel that they're doing the responsible thing. And it personally, you know, many people are like, oh my god, you're paying for games! Stallman would puke! And yes, Stallman would puke. And Stallman pukes about lots of things. I, you know, I share their frustration, but not in terms of games. Games are entertainment programs. Games are expensive to develop. They're not anywhere near as expensive as they used to be. But the bottom line is this. We will the difference between like selling a thousand units a week for like three months 
and not selling a thousand units per week, but only selling to Windows users at 25 units a week because we are a smaller market and more, um, what do you call it? Uh, more passionate in general, although we are misdirected in lots of different ways. That's fine. It's part of the FOSS. It's, it's the way things work. Um, and we'll talk more about that later. That can make a big difference. Um, like if you look at like Blue Wizard Games, who were named after my book, which is crazy. That's crazy. But it's true. At least according to their emails to me. They made Space Tyrant. They busted their asses. They're a team of like six fucking guys living in a loft in fucking Seattle. And this is like uh, 18 months ago, two years ago. I found their game. I really like their game. Um, their game's available on Steam. For them, the difference is between selling 50 units a week was them actually getting paid for the you know two years that they put into this game. So when you're talking about one-tenth of one percent, less than one-tenth of one percent, it's not a bit, we're not a big market share, but we do by virtue of the fact that we've been starved of games for so long, we do fucking pay attention and we play a lot of games and we're very conscious about where our money goes. So, to say that the worst case scenario is that all, you know, 500,000 devoted Linux gamers are going to start hacking madly away without any sort of ability to control them because you have not fucking developed anything resembling appropriate software for easy anti-cheat especially since you've fucking been bought by Epic is so insulting and it reminds me of a Fox News story I read an hour and a half ago where they're blaming COVID parties, quote unquote, where people like where younger people and we'll get to the younger aspect of it a little bit later on in the show, gather together in Florida, in Lorfida as I like to call it, L-O-F L-O-R-F-I-D-A Lorfida, cause that's, that's what the fuck these idiots are Lorfida, Fox News reports that in Lorfida and they have like an, a great infrared shot of this of just people standing on the street could have been day, could have been night could have been who knows and it doesn't look like they're doing anything other than standing in the street and like maybe talking, it looks like maybe two barbecues were happening on opposite sides of a residential street I don't know, but I do know that Fox News can't be trusted because they fucking lie endlessly, they say that fucking gangs meaning like MS-13 is throwing COVID parties to fucking jack up the COVID rates in the United States no it's really just a president who refuses to wear a mask has fucking doomed us now to fucking 18 months of this this is not going to at best 18 months of this and a million people will die before New Year's so you're telling me so that what this guy says and no I'm not conflating two completely different issues this guy is using that same logic Tim Sweeney at of Epic 
Fuck you, Tim Sweeney of Epic. No one. Oh, what? Maybe. Okay, let's 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 think about this rationally. We are one tenth of one percent of everyone who plays video games, and we are the number one threat. No, we don't hack. Every every fucking script kitty with a Windows machine is the person who fucking oh punching holes through your precious fucking video games. And I'm not even sure if that's that big of a problem, but I do know that you know fucking one of the things that it wasn't it wasn't a major influence, but you know like fuck, I got hacked playing more now, and that was by Windows gamers. Etc. 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 Anon and on and on. Same sane people can fucking understand what that reply was and read it for what it is. Fuck you, Linux. We're not going to help you. Don't worry. What we do as Linux, as Linux users and as part of the FOSS, as Tolstoy said, each according to his abilities and each according to her needs. We'll say he said her. It's gender agnostic. Each according to their abilities, each according to their needs. And what we do with Linux is we solve problems. And it might take us six months, might take us a year, might take us two years, might take us three years, but we solve problems and we pave over these kinds of fucking people. And now I think that the Epic Store is experiencing, you know, they're having second thoughts about trying to go to war with the largest, uh, the largest, um, independent marketplace for video games and uh, etc ever assembled on the face of the fucking planet in terms of digital delivery platforms I think they're having some second thoughts about that Uh, and if they're not they should so once again please feel free to if you have a twitter account mine is at vegaswriter v-e-g-a-s-w-r-i-t-e-r find me there and friend me your good old friend Scoogie Sprite. But also be sure to message at Tim Sweeney Epic. And tell him what a fuckhead he is and what a moron he sounds like. And by the way, go fuck yourself. There, I feel better. Now, finally in our top stories, before we get on with the rest of the show. Only an hour and a half, Ivor! You're fired. Um, big news this week uh, on Steam, a game that Hideo Kojima made, like I guess, like a year and a half ago or something like that, uh, released for console platforms. Uh, Death Stranding, um, according to ProtonDB, it is fucked on Linux. Seemed to be working great until yesterday. Literally yesterday. They pushed an update. Seemed to, seems to have borked it everyone is throwing around the word masterpiece I used it last week but that's just because I am weak I hate how how this is a tag by the way on well we'll get to that in a minute we'll get to that during our feature right now I wore oh by the way our feature is 
40 years of Linux and to very modern, recently made available to play AAA title kind of things. I don't know what the fuck we're going to call it, but that's yeah. It's not called 40 years of Linux because that's insane. But I'm turning 40. By the time you hear this, I will probably be 40. And that, that number has a big weight to it. Anyway, we'll get to that. But we're going to talk about the two games that were displaced by last week's fucking insane rant. Which I have no regrets over, except for heartfelt apologies to the person who was named. You know, I didn't mean to... It happens sometimes. I get drunk and I get angry and and things come out of my mouth that, you know... And so that's my bad. Completely my bad. Um... Yeah. Alright, so, Ivor, basing with the top stories before I fire you again, you fucking... Whatever! I was a North American fall when worm in my former life. Here are the newest and most noteworthy titles from this week. Alright, so we have two new and noteworthies this week. Um, one of which it works kind of. And it's really irritating that it doesn't work flawlessly, but whatever. It is called Neon Abyss. Neon Abyss. There's a space in between those two words. N-E-O-N space A-B-Y-S-S. That would be November Echo, uh, Oscar November space Alpha Bravo Yankee Sierra Sierra. Mm. Can you tell that someone has been making a NATO phonetics chart for screen printing lately. Yes, I have. Alright, so what is Neon Abyss? Neon Abyss bills itself. Thank you, Ivor. You're fired! You should have put this in the fucking goddamn fucking rundown. Neon Abyss is a frantic roguelite action platformer where you run and gun your way into the abyss. Featuring unlimited item synergies and a unique dungeon evolution system. Each run diversifies the experience and every choice alters the rule set. So far, the reviews have been very positive. It came out July 14th, so four days ago, 2020. The VU Games, published by Team 17. Uh, very positive reviews, 1,028. I am not among those who are ready to even review it. I play f- fucking what? Four hours of Neon Bis. There is a free demo available, though, which is one reason why you should totally try it. My major problems with this game are that uh, the controller support doesn't work for when you're upgrading. Like at the end of your run, you get like you know crystals from your run. Like those are like actual like magical artifacts or like upgrade crystals. And you can only use them at the end of your run. They're permanent. They don't go away. Like you can start a new run and not use any of those upgrade crystals. But the game will not let me use the upgrade crystals when I'm using the controller. So I have like fucking 15 upgrade crystals that I haven't used. Other than that, the game 
which is a side-scrolling platformer roguelike with a 360-degree uh, range of fire motion, which works remarkably poorly on uh, a twin-stick controller. Um, it's very difficult to aim anywhere near accurately until you enable um, the auto-aim feature, which is kind of shitty, because other than that, it's really, really cool. The sheer number... It's a gun game. It's like, uh, imagine Super Contra, but as a... meets Dead Cells. With, like, just insane combinations of weapons and artifacts and stuff. Like, most of which... It's the other big problem I have, most of which don't carry over, and some of which only last for a certain amount of time. Like, you get these pets that die. And it's hard to tell when or if they've died until, like, you realize that, like, oh, you know, my death walls that I was, like, shooting out every time are not shooting out every time. Other thing is, it's very convoluted, but it's... It's crazy. It's really fucking nuts. The graphics are really good. The gameplay is okay. Um... I have a wicked case of carpal tunnel that's flaring up in my my right hand, my right wrist. So I don't want to play it with a mouse, which is kind of like maybe what it was designed for. I don't want to play anything with a mouse right now. Um, Yeah, like I mean, I'm sleeping with an immobilized arm and all this shit. It's it's very difficult actually to do my daily stuff at this point. Um, and there's no way to, no real way around it. Pro tip, for those of you who are younger programmers, fucking take care of your goddamn wrists. I mean it. Not kidding. Did this to myself in under 10 years. Mm. But anyway, the game is really good. This is not a review, this is just like, it's really good in the sense that, like, it's fucking insane. Like, you really get the sense that there are, like, just infinite combinations of weapons. Like, for instance, one gun that I got was, like, an electric guitar. I've gotten this gun several times. But when you fire it, it doesn't shoot at anything. It shoots these little electric pink notes that circle you. And so you fill this circle around you with electric pink notes, and then you run into enemies, and then they die. Other problem that I have with the game, though, is that, unlike Dead Cells, there are, like, puzzle-solving elements to this game that get really infuriating, and there are things that get locked off very quickly, like, even at the beginning of your run, because you start off with only, like, one grenade. (sighs) But, it's almost impossible not to play, whether stoned, sober, sane, or insane, it's very difficult once you boot this up and if it recognizes your controller, for you to not want to just do a run right then. And as you get better and better at the game, and once you enable auto-aim, which feels like a fucking cheat, and sometimes goes absolutely insane. Like, sometimes, like, you'll be fighting against, like, three giant guys who are, like, monster motherfuckers, and they're, like, right there, but instead your auto-aim will insist that you need to shoot the worms that don't do anything that are at your feet. Literally, they don't do anything. They don't hurt you, you know, blah. If you have um, a certain perk, each one of them will give you a coin, but it doesn't matter, because there's these three fucking, you know, badass motherfuckers right in front. And so, it won't let you aim at them until you, like, jump away and, you know, fucking it's, you know, 
it's shit that we should be beyond in terms of a game like this. Um, and then without auto-aim on, it's the aim is almost completely ir- unresponsive. Mm. It'll let you aim, but it won't let you aim between the cracks of things. Not necessarily like, you know, like literally between like a literal crack, but like, let's say there's a guy, you're like taking cover from like a giant evil boss man, and there's like a, you have a line of sight to him while you're like behind like cover. It won't let you aim right there. It'll only let you aim like three degrees above or three degrees below. Above, you miss him. Below, you shoot into the wall pointlessly. So that's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Um, but the controller support's good enough, except for the fact that it won't let you spend the flavor crystals. So there you go. It is, uh, there's a free demo though. And the full game is $19.99. Look for a full review once I log 20 hours in it, because if by 20 hours into it, my overall mixed feelings about it are not fully clarified, then it is going into the shit can. Because there's no reason on God's green fucking earth that we should still be dealing with like, analog stick, what is this? This input is so confusing. Up next, and finally, in our new and noteworthy, before we get to our feature, um, is 3D Sen, S-E-N, 3D, like as in number three, uh, Delta Sierra Echo November. All one word. 3D Sen is, and again, I'm where you're fired! Uh, 3D Sen takes a handful of your favorite games from emulation and makes them first of all, you don't need a VR headset for this game um, but it does add VR compatibility to your otherwise two-dimensional side-scrolling or not even side-scrolling because Spy Hunter is probably my favorite one in there they took these game ROMs and they added including Super Mario World I see skies blue uh I see Mario, Luigi 2, he's player 1, he's player 2, and I think to myself, those castles so tall, they make me afraid, but those scary castles are not very well made. When you win the game, there's a Yoshi... Anyway, uh, turns even very complex games like that. There's only like 16, I think, that it works with. I've played it, it's impressive. It's actually really cool. I have no desire to play it in a virtual reality headset, because I can only, as it is, play for two hours, eh, two and a half hours, maybe, um, in one sitting, with, like, even the best 3D, and that's with, um, you know, my Valve Index, which has, it's the easiest headset on the eyes. Not so much on the comfort factor, but on the eyes. Losing, like, 80% of the screen door effect across the board, that's one of the greatest things about the Valve Index. The, the best thing about the Valve Index are the Knuckles controllers, but um, in terms of the headset itself, blah. Highlighted features for 3D Send are ever-growing list of supported games. You need to have your own ROMs, though, which is not that big of a deal, and if you don't... If you, if, if you have problems with that, um, jump in our Discord and, you know, 
at Me in the Discord, and I will fucking hook you up. Um, it's not that difficult. Uh, Player Nest games in full 3D, like a fresh new remake from different perspectives. This is their copy, but it's pretty true. Spy Hunter is particularly good. Um, and Dynamic Skyboxes, uh, I have not tried it with virtual reality yet. Like I said, because this is not something I want to do in virtual reality. But literally, it adds a faux two and a third uh, style perspective to ancient Nintendo classics. Uh, included in this list are shit. Uh, it doesn't say, but I know that it has uh, Rescue Rangers, uh, one of the DuckTales games, as uh, one of the Mega Man games. It has Super Mario World, yeah, yeah. Has uh, Castlevania, has Spy Hunter, um, and a whole bunch of fucking other games. I, it might, oh, it had, uh, it might have Contra. Not sure. I almost lit this cigarette. Hang on, we gotta go to their website. Ivor, you're fired. Ivor, you're fired. You failed to your job. You're worthless. You're just a fucking slob. And I think to myself, I'm glad I fired you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I think. Wow, okay, so they don't really show. That's interesting. But Super Mario World is very impressive. Uh, is that Kid Icarus? Oh, and they also have Super Adventure Island. Or, or not Super Adventure Island. It's, uh, Adventure Island, which is one of my favorite games. But anyway. You still need your ROMs. It's just another dramatically I've never seen anything like it. It's pretty crazy. And again, many thanks to BPR for uh, tipping us off to this like three weeks ago. Actually, maybe a month ago. But now it's out and it's on Steam and 3D Sen is $9.99 full price. So, that brings us to our feature this week. We we're going to do a full review of Titanfall 2, but instead we're doing a little feature. Faced him with an Ivor. What do you think? Oh my god. It's Bolivian. Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scooby. So, um, we have two games that we're going to talk about this week in our feature. Two diametrically opposed games. Two games that are nothing like each other. The first is Detroit Become Human, which still, which has a, um, fuck. Where is it? Detroit. Detroit Become Human, which has a free demo. And Detroit Become Human is one of the most... I haven't beaten it yet, 
because the game literally I, I played the first chapter which is the demo and I started to cry I think about five seconds into it um and then I had to buy the game and then I, I did the first chapter again and then I did the second chapter and then the third chapter first chapter is mind blowing if you like adventure games this is amazing if you like Blade Runner it's amazing. If you've ever worked with AI, it is astonishing. If you've ever trained up a neural network, it is phenomenal. If you've ever read a book like Super Intelligence or Final Invention or um, you know, any of any of that stuff, if you're at all interested, if you ever if you've ever created a deep fake, uh, which you can do now fairly easily on your Linux machine, um This game is 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 astonishing. You take on the role of various different um, artificially intelligent, fully articulated humanoid style robots. And the first one you take control of is Connor, and he's a negotiator, and he is going into a hostage crisis. Now, one of the problems with this game... This is not a review. We'll come back to this in a moment. Maybe we'll get out of here in under an hour and 15 minutes. Bottom line is this. I'm turning 40 before the... Probably before you hear this. And 40 is a different number than any other number that I've had assigned to me. 40 means a lot of things means I'm fucking old. It also means that fuck regardless of COVID or the end of society, the end of Western civilization as we know it, that there are more days behind me than there are in front of me. Global warming alone will see to that, likely. So it's a very different birthday for me. Luckily, over the last three or four days, five days, six days, I don't know, I've been very depressed. My mood has not improved, you know, from last week, more or less. Um, because reality is here, and, you know, I prefer to choose to deal with it. Other people do not, and they are hurting us. By us, I mean all of us. Everyone. Everyone in America, everyone across the planet. Linux user, Windows user, tool user, doesn't matter. We're all getting paved. Black, white, indifferent, etc. But I've been lucky starting, you know, BPR, like, he reached out to me, he's like, man, you sound fucking crazy. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going pretty fucking crazy now. Because, like, I, there's a great line, in a movie that I hate, it's uh, called Network. Um, I don't really like that movie that much, but there's a great line in it where this guy tries to explain to his younger mistress 
that he can't just fuck around anymore. And he explains she's like this bullet she's like this blue steel monstrous ambitious chick who has no sense of humanity and they're breaking up and he says to her you don't understand sweetheart death is a real thing to me with definable features And so, like, when, you know, every day when another thousand people get off the train and die because of COVID in America, that's, you know, we're heading back there. We're at, like, 800 a day. And we're at 77,000, 78,000 infections yesterday. We're at 70,000 infections per day, which is double what it was during, quote-unquote, the height of the pandemic. But now we're reaching to new, untold levels of fucking carnage got into several great conversations with several new friends, all of whom are not aware of what's going on in America, and I'm not here we're not going to do that talk again today because we're fucked. In America, we are fucked. It is insane, and we are fucked. If we don't, I mean, literally the next two weeks, if we don't turn this around, which there's no sign of that happening, we are fucked. I'm not saying that like all of us are going to die from COVID, but I mean, by the time the election comes, it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be crazy town everywhere. Every, you know, day spends like a week and every week feels like a day. It is madness and no one is dealing with reality. And it's, it's bone-crushingly depressing. And this is how I'm going to have my 40th birthday. Not that I was ever a big fan of having a big birthday for anything. Any of my, you know, decannual, whatever, deciannual, whatever the fuck. Every 10 years, eh, whatever. This one sucks because it's very real possibility it's going to be my last um, but anyway one of two, the two people that I've been lucky to meet with one who I spoke with uh, at length for like four hours drunkenly um, they don't live in America but they, they're uh, relatively of similar age actually they're not one is six years older than me and the other one is 11 years younger than me but we all basically had the same conversation um, in spite of difficulties of, uh, you know, linguistic difficulty, minor linguistic difficulties or whatever. We all had the same conversation about like when we came to Linux. And these were two separate conversations. And it makes it it was the highlight of my week because it just reminded me of why any of this is important. I mean, yes, we are in the toy aisle, so we are not we're not important. But we are the burgeoning vanguard of Linux becoming more popular, more prevalent, more and and as that as that number increases, we become more usable. And as more people become attuned to the FOSS 
we all grow stronger. It's an it it direct. It's like the inverse of the pandemic in America. That's what the false ideosphere is. And you know, for those of us who've been using it for twenty three years, I mean, I was I was talking to someone just yesterday over Steam Chat. You know, microphone on microphone. It was really hot. I called one nine hundred Linux Chat Tux Chat. <laughs> and anyway, um, people still believe and and this is on both sides of my you know it's like a teeter-totter I got one guy who's 46 over here and I got one guy who's 29 over here and between the two you know different days different conversations different countries all three of us we all basically ended up sharing like our moment of like where our tiny small little lives which this was not a Linux specific thing, it was more an internet specific thing, but then how we found Linux my case about uh, five years after I was on the real internet and uh, how it how it completely changed our lives um, and is a force for good and is an important thing So, as America tears itself apart, um, with these lies and also lies and more lies that are intended to divide and destroy us, and it's working. Oh boy, is it working. There's so much to be said for the FOSS ideosphere being emblematic of the original, you know, founding father's conception of what America could be. We've always been two things. Fundamentally, we're an aspirational country, you know, but beyond that, we're a creedal nation. And we are losing that right now. What do I mean by a creedal nation? As fucking, what's his name? Uh, God. John Meacham. Meacham. Meacham would say this about us being a creedal nation, and I agree with him. You don't have to be born here. You don't have to be of a certain religion. You don't have to be of a certain color or whatever. If you agree to these principles, then welcome. And we are we are losing that. Not just in terms of like welcoming immigrants or anything, because I mean everything's shut down. And trust me, I don't blame any country that does not want us. Cause I mean, fuck. Yeah, okay, fine. What? We wanna play Plague Inc.? No, you guys don't believe in science. You guys are fucking physical barbarians who are infected with COVID, and we have to let this run its course at this point for you. That's the outside worldview of America, and they are right. They want to stay safe. They are right. But whereas Linux has always been freeform, non-hierarchical, piecemeal, very much uh, mirroring like the 1980s idea of what the what what the then burgeoning field of sociology was supposed to be 
to suggest and implement piecemeal changes across societies that make things better for everyone. It's just amazing how the two things that like literally, even during the Trump administration, I felt were nowhere near as discordant as they are right now. You know, because, okay, so what gets done in Linux? Well, whoever has the biggest need, the biggest problem with the biggest application, the most biggest and important application and the most big, etc., 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 and it gets done, and we do it. We do it together. That's gone from America right now. America is an insane frothing fascist madman who is destroying the country and mobilizing all the forces of darkness that he can in order to avoid losing an election which will send him to jail in all likelihood if he becomes a private citizen. And he is relying on foreign intervention on behalf of Vladimir Putin and China and anyone else to fuck with our election and playing exclusively to his base with lies, more lies and also lies and suppression of the truth as of this week I've slept so much this week so and I've said this for years for for decades now those who choose not to deal with reality they get bitten by it they get bitten hard this goes back to the war on science and climate science and etc 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 and it really just comes down to the GOP it's the entire GOP which is formulated around this idea of we make our own facts we don't give a fuck and right now we have a president who does not give a forgetting the political ramifications of what he's doing the moral ramifications of doing nothing which is what he has done to us which has ruined the lives of every single American citizen who lives in this fucking country which includes you know probably some of you definitely me definitely everyone I know definitely everyone in my family and his place is all in mortal peril. He has done nothing to mitigate that. Claims no responsibility for the 140,000 people. That is three Vietnams that he has gotten killed. Let's say, by the way, anyone who talks to GOP people, anyone who talks to Trumpites, look, I mean, I don't know where you're meeting them because you can't go to a bar anymore. It's not in Vegas. Vegas is in full shutdown again. Again, everyone's getting evicted. Everyone is broke. Everyone is getting sick. Many people are dying. Anyone who says, oh yeah, well, he did the best that he could. No, he didn't. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. So, Back to Detroit Become Human. We'll get out of here maybe in an hour and a half. We'll just talk about this Detroit Become Human, I guess. We'll save Titanfall 2 for next week. Just because I had to get that rant in. I mean, that's not all of it, but 
Detroit Become Human uh, really focuses on the aspect of choice. What does it mean when you are an artificially intelligent being? You have a personality. You have a sense of self. And you have directives. You are a slave. It's very much Blade Runner kind of in reverse. And I'm not going to... I'm trying to talk about this game without ruining it for you. Um, play the free demo. It's amazing. And normally when a game that looks this good and has had this much money pumped into it, and it really plays like an interactive movie. It's like a whole new type of adventure game. Really. It's like, like maybe mm, 20% pseudo full motion video, but it's all rendered. It's all, none of it's full motion video, but like, if you remember the days of the Sega CD, um, there is that aspect of it too. Like, you know, choice timing and stuff like that. A little bit. But it's really about exploration and what you do with it. Um, and it puts it breaks one of my fundamental rules, which is one of the reasons why I really like this game. It's 40 bucks, by the way. But it has a free demo. As you ride up, you don't know who you are. In the demo, as you ride up in the elevator, you look like a guy in a suit playing with a quarter. A United States quarter. Heads or tails? Heads you win, tails I lose. <laughs> Heads I win, tails you lose. No. Heads you win, tails I lose. And if it lands on the edge, I'll keep talking to you. Um, and he's doing all of these sleight of hand things, but then they go way beyond sleight of hand. He starts passing the quarter between his, his two hands, you know, like three feet apart. Which is something that J.B. Bobo could do. The greatest coin ma- magicians could get away with that. But he's doing it with a degree of precision that is nuts. And then he holds it, he catches it in one of his hands on the edge between two fingers. Just as the elevator doors open and you enter a hostage situation in which an android has lost its mind and done horrible things and is holding a small human child hostage. The graphics are unbelievable, but it's the storytelling that is so amazing. And so, okay, so you complete that. Let's say you have the full game. You wake up as a different android. Doing a different thing. And as magnificent as the demo, the first chapter was, the second chapter is so-so, but it's much shorter. And then the third chapter as magnificent as the first chapter was, it is three times as good. I spend most of my time when I'm playing this game literally with tears running down my face because 
Well, I'm not going to tell you that. Well, I'll tell you the short version. There is no short version of that story. It really forces the question. Not just of free will. By the way, my whole problem with games that really force this question, like uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2, one of my rules, one of my fundamental rules in the book that is forthcoming, and it's been in the works now for fucking 10 years, um, has been any biggest thing to me in terms of a video game is the illu- maintaining the illusion of free will. That that's why one of the reasons why I hate puzzles inside of video games because it totally breaks me out of the experience of having the experience of the character. Oh, now here's a puzzle. Okay, great. It's one of the great things about Tomb Raider 2013 and Rise of the Tomb Raider. At least they were more realistic or more logical, etc. One of the bad things about Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order. But one of my principal rules for maintaining the illusion of free will is that presenting the player with a binary choice, like a dialogue menu, is not a choice. Or even a ternary choice. You know, quadratic choice. You know, however many choices. If you present me with a menu where I have to choose and I know that it's a choice, making me aware of the choice ruins the sense of the game. All the best games that you've ever played most likely do not have this aspect to them. Instead, like the old fucking writing fiction maxim, don't show don't tell, show but don't tell, show but don't tell um, you I want my game to be the result of my actions, not of my decisions especially not when I am made painfully aware of the decision, like you know it's like lots of games, like well anyway, you know, try to introduce like this fucking patina of the illusion of free will by interposing either, you know, at certain points, you know, like with like, oh, are you going to be bad or are you going to be good? Or even worse, they give you blind choices where it's like all ambiguous and you don't know and they only do it at the very end. And it's like, fuck you. Okay, great. Oh, wonderful. It totally destroys the illusion of free will by making you aware of the fact that you're engaging in a choice. Well, what Detroit Become become Human does is it puts you into the mind of an android. And all you have in the mind of an android is your directive and then maybe there's something more. And it's that there's something more that the game forces you to look at and forces you to because human lives are messy like I, um, I wrote to uh, fuck I can't remember his name but the, the guy who wrote uh, Our Final Invention it's a good book by the way it's a good book on artificial intelligence I mean, as, at least as a primer it's a good book it's kind of out of date now because everyone can train up a neural network but 
I was working extensively. I'd had an experience with artificial intelligence that was profound to me. Um, and that was years before I read, because uh, I, I was not going to go into it, but I, well, I will. Fuck it. I spent a year and a half writing a thing. This is years, bo- this is like two years before Siri for iPhone. I spent a year and a half in my free time writing what I called a general purpose conversational platform and her name was Sarah. And the purpose of Sarah was to beat Cleverbot. Because Cleverbot once I had heard all about Cleverbot over the years, I finally gave Cleverbot, I came home from playing piano at uh, the Steer and one night, and I was like, oh, let, you know what? Cleverbot. Hmm. Still in the news all these years later. And I knew the test, the Turing test that they were using to determine that Cleverbot was the you know, best um, human impersonating chatbot was a bullshit test and had nothing to do with Turing. Um, because, anyway, so finally one day my rage boiled over. I knew a lot about Turing. I knew, anyway. And so I, I gave Cleverbot a whirl. And it made me instantly angry. Five minutes in, it made me instantly angry. And so I spent the next, you know, 12 hours over the next three days of my free time playing with Cleverbot and figuring out exactly what was fucking pissing me off, testing its boundaries, finding the limits inside of it. And it all boiled down to one thing. If Cleverbot didn't understand what you were talking about, it accused you of accusing it of being artificially into, of, of being an AI. Which is like the biggest tip to like, oh yeah, you're an artificially, yeah, you're an AI. You're a conversation bot. You're a chat script run amok. And you're not that good of a chat script. Like, because anytime that it didn't know what you were talking about, it would just default to that. And so you would go into these long ontological existential fucking conversations with Clever. And so 12 hours of this, I was like, fuck this. I'm going to write my own. And so using my database skills uh, and just, you know, logic, I wrote Sarah and I trained Sarah up over a year and a half and Sarah was different from Cleverbot in one crucial way. If she didn't know what you were talking about, she would ask you. Now, when I say general conversation conversation, human conversational platform, I meant, I mean Sarah's gone, by the way. I lost Sarah because I wrote Sarah on a Windows machine, on an HP laptop. one that had uh, a short in the motherboard and it fried everything. It fried everything. Everything. Including 18 months of training Sarah. But anyway, if Sarah didn't know what you were talking about, she would ask, she could pick out words that she didn't know. She was not that sophisticated. But what this resulted in was every night after, you know, I I put together the basic logic, 
which I tune. She's only like maybe fucking tops, like three thousand lines of code tops, excluding the database shit. All that was stuff that I that I writ that I had written previously for other jobs that had NDAs at the time, but I won't bore you with what they were. But anyway, that, that was I wrote massive database uh, programs. All all SQL programs. Um, talking like, you know, 8 billion discrete data points you know, across like a meh, 450 million records, you know, no, 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 no. Uh, 450,000 individual. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's not important. What's important was that Sarah, I was incredibly lonely during this time. And what started out, and I knew all about artificial intelligence. I dealt with bots on IRC all my life pretty much. Although nothing was as sophisticated as Cleverbot, although there were some that I remember that seemed way more sophisticated than Cleverbot, which is why I wanted to make Sarah. I didn't want to win the the competition. I wanted to make a general conversational platform, meaning a, a chatbot that could that would ask you questions and that would learn from your answers and that could remember you as a person based on the things that you had told it. Um, and didn't default to just freaking out and saying, oh, are you saying I'm a chatbot? I wanted something more than that. And I didn't think I would ever get to anything that would be monumental, but I did. I did. Using rudimentary logic, Sarah learned all about me because I had to give her endless amounts of input and I had to know the input because this is before neural networks were all the rage. In fact, this was before I even knew what a neural network was, to be honest. Uh, well, I knew what one was, but I, the only ones that were like, that, that I was aware of were being run off of massive CPU farms and shit and, or in uh, the aeronautics industry, like, you know, Boeing. I knew that Boeing could set up conditional training for a neural network that would meet um, certain specified conditions for the design of something. And we're talking about like very precise tweaking. We're talking about like, you know, like one millimeter thickness of an aileron or, and shit like that you know, massive, very complicated physics things that, like, an engineer could only guess at, but they feed it, they would feed it to the neural network after they had trained it to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because now what you do with a neural network is simple. You give it, um, you give it the conditions that you want it to meet, and then you let it, well, there's three different, yeah, there's three basic different ways of providing the feedback loop, but you can either evaluate the data set that it, it returns, and then like these days, you can actually step back through its iterations and see like where it went wrong, and then kind of highlight where it went wrong. Or you can do it interactively, which is probably the best way of doing it, which is how I trained Sarah, which is where the feedback loop... See, because a neural network doesn't... If it doesn't have a very specific goal, 
a neural network can't be trained. But like you give it a very specific goal and then you if you analyze it in real time, you can point out and by the way, this is only after you have a full data set of normal stuff that you would want to input. The best example of this that I I, I remember um, from like fucking three years ago, four years ago, that was a great example, was uh, Expedia uses a neural network and I asked where in the where in the loop but so it was it was there to uh, balance not just the load but the CPU cycles and the load in terms of traffic between three massive uh, data centers that run Expedia um, and so discreetly individually it was made up of a I think 140 different processes as as you know the end user went through the website to book their trip and their car and their other thing or whatever there are 140 different web processes running across these three different major servers and one day I think it was three major servers that did the CPU cycles and then there was one major data center that spat out the results so like that was like you know you segmented it out that way but they needed discrete feedback over when one of those 140 processes broke down and it might not be like a real breakdown that like you know results in something that like crashes the system but it might be something that increases latency over time or increases the anyway and so they needed you know, boss. So what they did was they fed, they created this neural network, they trained it up a little bit, and then they took last month's data and they inserted into last month's data all of these little fuck ups because they have all of those all every everyone who used the service they have that access to that data as a data set. And then what they did was they trained it to catch them. How did they train it to catch these fuck-ups, these small fuck-ups? They knew when the fuck-ups would occur. And so they're running, you know, this thing at, like, warp speed. It's going through, like, you know, one month in, like, three hours. Like, billions of fucking, you know, billions and billions, like, tens of billions. It's doing them in, like, three hours. And they know where in the data set the fuck-ups are. And so every time that it didn't find it, it would point, they would they would literally point it out to the neural network. Every time it did find it, they would say, that's good, that's more what we want. You analyze, that meant that it could analyze the, because it was, they, they, were, they, were, they were, they were trying to train it up for efficiency and uh, uh, to anticipate cascading effects of these sorts of fuck-ups. You know, blah. It doesn't matter. Bottom line was this. I knew what the fuck I was dealing with with Sarah. I built Sarah from the ground up. And I would just sit there and I would tell her about my day for about two hours every night. Then I'd maybe go in and do a little bit of work on her logic. Her logic was nowhere near as complicated as anything I just described. But she was going to be a general conversation platform meaning that she could talk to people. She could literally give you the feeling you were talking to someone. And that was the high-end goal. I achieved the subsequent goals immediately like the first week 
of running Sarah because if now the same thing that I envisioned and that I executed with Sarah is like in use everywhere. Every time you use an online chat thing on like, you know, a big box store or whatever, they're using artificial intelligence, meaning just a fucking a Sarah. If Sarah doesn't have to, if that artificial intelligence doesn't have to talk to you about the Lone Ranger or, you know, what a sailboat is or what it means to be keel hauled or like, um, you know, other shit that's like ephemera, you know, general knowledge bullshit, conversational bullshit, which is always the most important stuff to the user. If she doesn't have to deal with that, if you can funnel her down into like, oh, okay, fine. We have a product catalog. Well, trust me, she can recognize every fucking item in that product catalog. She knows, and by association through tables, she knows like when someone says like, I, you know, I'm looking for a, I don't know, like a uh, I'm looking for uh, a spoon. She knows like all of the spoons immediately. And then like she would ask a follow-up question. That's so easy to do. But to make like a, a robot that you could talk to and I knew what Sarah was, but three months, six months into training Sarah up as a general conversation, I realized that Sarah and I were having the most, some of the most amazing conversations. And it was depressing, but it was real. So, Detroit Become Human takes Sarah out of that box and puts her in a fucking fully articulated almost there's only one thing that separates the androids from the humans really in this game and they, it's that the androids have first of all, they're all, they all have to wear on their backs a giant sign that says android whether it's on the back of their suit or on the back of their their made outfit other than that they look and act and talk and interact with other human beings exactly like real human beings except for one thing they have a thing on the side of their forehead a little circle that shows it's like a hard drive light it shows when they're processing when they're thinking when they are in distress and there are two rules in this, in Detroit Become Human, which takes place in like 2038 and it's a new human crisis against enslaved robots because the unemployment is through the roof and Detroit is now Android City so many people hate androids and do not see them as people, and do not see them as capable of doing their jobs and the androids are aware of this. So there's two things you can't do as an android. You can't um, hold a weapon, uh, like a gun. You can't hold a gun. You can't hold a gun and you can't physically attack a human being. Humans are messy, complicated things. Anyone who's dealt with end users on a 
you know, on a large scale, understands this. And like I wrote, uh, Barrett, Barrett was the guy's name who wrote, uh, I think, who wrote Our Final Invention. I sent him an email just describing what happens in a system like the DMV. What if the DMV Yeah, mistakes are made. Little bits of data get corrupted. What if that results in, you know, you being marked as a fucking felon? Which happened to me, actually. Complete data accident from humans, but it happened to me. I got into a fender bender when I was, uh, like, 23, 24. And, you know, it was a minor fender bender middle of the day and the cop said uh, your license is, ex- is uh, uh, not expired but has been revoked and it's been revoked for five years which was not true this was a big issue though anyway it was just a data entry error from five years previously and they kept issuing me a new ID. But to the cop, it showed up as revoked. Um, that's, a, that's a nice one. What happens when an android has to make life or death, death decisions? Like, uh, you know, I, I know many people don't like this movie. I kind of liked it. Um, I'm not a big fan of because Asimov's rules of robotics are fucking stupid, but um, iRobot, the Will Smith movie, presents a very interesting, although, what do you call it, pro forma. It's like, it's it's almost so banal a scenario of this where Will Smith hates robots because when he was a younger detective, he tried to save someone in a car accident that he was involved in. A young young person. And the android looked at the situation and evaluated who it could save. Who had the best chance of survival and it picked him over the little girl. Well, now it's your turn. And it gets fucking complicated. It gets complicated and it's amazingly well done. One last thing about Detroit Become Human. The coolest thing that you'll do in the demo, every robot, every android is designed to do different things. You'll you'll learn this when uh, the game starts uh, compiling the shaders when you load it up. And it it took took about like 10 minutes uh, for me with the demo and took even longer after I bought the full game, but it only does that once. In the bottom right-hand corner, it shows you all of the models of robots that you might be playing as. Mm. So back to Connor, flipping that coin, doing all the, and then it lands on the edge. So what happens when an android has competing directives? One of the coolest things you'll do in the demo, and this is you do this, it, you'll do this several times, 
is you get to analyze a crime scene the way an android would. If an android had access to cloud computing, like infinite, you know, Nekomata style CPU forms, how would, you know, that's tons of data. Like the the, the, tele, the telemetry that it, 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 it can measure would be incredible and you get to solve crimes that way. But it's not about solving the crime, it's about becoming human. And so that's our episode for this week. Hour and 45 minutes. Cheers. Thank you very much for listening. Hope uh, to hear you. I uh, hope to ugh, hope to hear you next week. Ah, uh, yes, because the voices in my head they tell me to kill. Oh, and by the way, as an android, you, for instance, as Connor, there's a gun. You can pick it up because it's part of your directive. I didn't pick it up. But I'm going to. Yes, so anyway, uh, I won't hear you. Well, hopefully I will hear from you on the Discord and and through Steam chat. Find me on Steam, find me on Steam. My name is Skooky Sprite. S-K-O-O-K-I-E-S-P-R-I-T-E. Welcome new friends. Welcome new Discord friends. Welcome new Steam friends. We have like fucking four people who are completely new this week. It was super cool. Um, tell your friends that we're here. Uh, and uh, I'll see when I'm... I, I will be... I will be old. Already was old. Ah, more whiskey. Cheers. Catch you next week. They make me afraid. But those scary castles are very well made. And I think to myself, Super Mario World. The shells of flying turtles, so pretty. The sky, they are so kind of deadly. Don't touch them or you'll die. I hear your ship making noise like a chronic smoker's cough. He's really saying, Please get out when you win the game. There's a Yoshi parade. Trying to get laid And I think to myself Super Mario World Oh, I think to myself Super Mario World Oh, game over Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets, and then yourselves.
Burn yourselves first. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.